0: Welcome to this week's edition of the casual shooters podcast another exciting edition i might say your premier podcast for the casual shooter all right this week's guest is actually two guests they've both been on here before individually they're from the same area they live in close proximity they both shoot open they are both Well, not just open, but limited optics, primarily open. And they both shoot for Atlas. So join me in welcoming David Wampler and Kevin Grosby back. How are you doing, I'm doing good, man. How you
1: been? Good, good. You guys been busy? Oh yeah, very busy. Nice to be home after the shot show.
2: Oh, it's been a, it's yeah. been an experience.
1: <laughs> always is. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah.
2: You guys
0: survive without any, um, diseases?
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, I was actually talking to Dave about it. Like yeah. all these people always say, oh, you know, a shot show crud or, you know, whatever. And I, and, you know, I know a couple people that got sick after shot show and stuff like that, but last two years, no issue. Never, you know, I don't, I don't usually get sick a lot. In general, so no, Me no. Either. I
2: don't oh, know either. That's, that, that, that's pretty funny, Kev, because I feel like you're always sick. <laughs> you know how many times we've gone <laughs> through, out. to work? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you're a professional pickleball player at work, yes,
1: professional <laughs> pickleball player. Fireflies <laughs> <is> my side, <laughs> dig. yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh,
2: that's uh, funny. Um, um, no, I, no. So, I swear, dude. Though you know how many matches we've gone to, and you're just like, I'm just trying to get over this. <laughs> like, oh, God. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I don't know. you got you got you got two young kids, so I mean, you can't I get do. away from it. That's 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 what it's all about. But uh, all right. but no, I didn't have any no sick or anything as far as coming back. I've been very 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 fortunate. So okay. me, both Kevin and I, I think I feel like is a is a huge win or a huge plus in the plus category <laughs> as far as not having any being sick yeah we're not catching
0: anything all right we're going to get into that a little bit more here in a minute um it's been a while since you guys have been on and actually dave the last time you were on if you remember huggy shot leo in the face with his cool fire he
2: he did i remember that
0: (laughs) since then they've both abandoned me i think (laughs) the trauma was too much for leo and the humiliation too much for (laughs) (laughs) for huggy they both like left the show but in honor of old time's sake, I think we should replay it. Oh, so, Cameron, I don't know if you've seen this. I have. Oh, I see what he's saying now. And I'm like, Oh, Oh. And I'm like, like okay, that, that wall. <laughs>
2: Are you okay, Leo? I know it's not loaded, and I know he's not going to shoot me, but he's literally pointing that at my image right now, and it's freaking me out. I know it's you're you're like, well, for me, where are you at? You're like,
1: oh, that is hilarious.
2: (laughs) Oh, that
0: never gets old. I love that. Hmm. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. All right. Now, like I was saying, it's um, it's been a while. I had it written down here because it's been a while. I was like, exactly how long has it been? So, Kevin, you were, your air, or your episode aired April 5th of 2021. And David, okay. yours aired February 2nd of 2021. So, we just had our three-year anniversary. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a bit. Now, when you guys were on... I don't believe we had started the icebreaker questions.
1: So I think we did. I think it was like
2: favorite movie did. or something on those ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, like
1: like you're right. a historical character, I think. And I told you I'm yeah. not historical guy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Now, when you guys were on before, David, you were doing some training. Kevin, I can't remember. Uh Kevin, you were working at um your at side gig at the work. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, believe I still working there. Yep, you were.
0: Um, but since then, you guys have. How did you guys get together and start the G? Uh, yeah, I guess GW collaboration.
2: Well, honestly, I think it was uh, so. I mean, obviously, Kevin and I, being teammates with Atlas and everything, we've had uh, our relationship has grown quite. Uh, we've grown quite close.
1: Flourished, if you will. Some
2: might even say we've shared a bed or two.
1: Shared a bed or two. Or three.
2: <laughs> three separate times. There's only three King separate go. occasions. Good.
1: Keep coming oh, back. Oh, boy.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is how rumors get started, but they're not rumors. <laughs> they're not
2: rumors. <laughs> Some <laughs> people Except say they're jealous. Friend. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we, uh we, so, so, I mean, through our through our friendship and just through our, you know, competitive nature. And we shoot, we we, we've shot a lot together for quite a, quite a while. And we've traveled quite a bit and we've gone to multiple, like we've been to, I don't know, what was it? Three nationals as far as USPSA nationals together. When did we start right. going to USPSA nationals? 2019? Uh, 19. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. cause I think the first one we went to was St. George, Utah.
1: Yeah. Which was awesome. Oh yeah. That was oh, a great yeah. match. Um, yeah.
2: So then after that, we kind of, obviously we both have had our LLCs and we both have been doing training, our own private training, stuff like that. And I mean, we've had quite a bit of interest of guys asking us like, Hey, you guys, like, you know, you guys work well together, you know, you guys bring your own flavors of training to like, to certain situations and whatnot. Um, it'd be interesting to see what we could do as like kind of a, as a group collab effort. And that's kind of where we spawned the GW collab. But we also kind of, at the same time, and I'll, I'll let Kevin talk to this a little bit more, but we kind of found a, um, it, we like being in a team aspect and kind of having a team aspect, if that makes sense. And there's been a lot of shooting teams. There still are quite a few shooting teams out there. Um, but we felt like as far as a shooting team goes in our area, it was kind of cool to, for us to be able to kind of form our own thing. Um, and then we have the full control of our, how we want to go about, um, I guess, uh, you know, inviting people to the team and how we want to go about like, you know, as far as making requirements. And then at the same time, it wasn't, it's not just so much a, you know, anybody gets on, you have to mesh well and you have to, um, you have to, uh, we hold our shooters to a certain standard. Um, but it's something that is kind of grown and we've kind of, if you want to talk more about it, kind of jump in. But yeah um, no yeah. no
1: it's yeah you got it like we, we we learned early on you know like this sport is is awesome um, Dave and I are very competitive by nature but like for the majority of the community that we have in the shooting in shooting sports in general like they're there for for the community right for the for the fellowship with everybody so um, we we learned that early on like building we wanted to have. You know, like a cool group of dudes, um, girls do, whatever. Uh, but cool group of people who just wanted Twenty Twenty Four, David, it gotta be PC. <laughs> no, but just wanted a, a cool group of, of people that wanted to get together and um, you know, represent um one flag, so to speak. And um, you know, I think we, we collectively grabbed uh some really great guys to represent us. Um we're really blessed by that. We're really honored by their willingness to kind of hold our flag, hold our, our logo, um, on their shirts and, you know, just, uh, being able to build that family community around some of these guys has been, been really awesome. So, yeah.
0: Okay. Now were both of you guys already shooting for Atlas when you collaborated.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so our friendship started before, like, so I've always been shooting as far as I think our friendship goes, I've always shot for Atlas. Um, yeah. Um, as far as Kevin goes, I mean, I think we were, I so I think a you started, started
1: shooting, well, yeah, you started shooting for Alice in like what, 2017? 2017.
2: I, yeah. 20 beginning of
1: 2017. Yeah. Beginning of 2017. I think I started shooting for Alice Atlas, um, after 2019, because I don't think I was a part of the team yet by the time I we went to the 2019 Nationals. I might, uh, yeah, no. I don't think so. Well, maybe I had no, just no. joined. It. You may have just, just joined. It. We didn't have any yeah. jerseys
2: or anything. I was just shooting in my uh, in my yeah LLC shirt.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think I had just joined Dave, um, because I had just left PT, and I was shooting with. Remember that was the year I I wore my my uh, elite shooting sports jerseys. So
2: oh, that's right. Yep. Okay.
1: So okay. Yeah. Now, what. Uh, So
0: together when you guys teach, what, what kind of classes are you offering people?
2: So this year, um, well, so years past we've done uh, really, it's just been a advanced um, competition course. Hasn't really been a fundamentals. I mean, all of our stuff is based very heavily in fundamentals, but when we teach a class, it's typically going to be an intermediate class. Now, this year, we're kind of revamping. We're going to be teaching a uh, kind of a spectrum of classes. We're going to, our next class that's coming up, I'd have to look up the date, but it's going to be a right. red, uh, red dot class. Uh, not just a competition class, it's going to be a practical shooting, a well-rounded practical shooting class, but it will be geared towards um, really facilitating practical shooting to red dots. So it's not going to be something that deters people that, you know, or whether they're competition shooters or tactical shooters or whatever, wherever they want to place their allegiance to, so to speak, in there, in the whole shooting community. Um, this class is going to be a class that is going to kind of bridge the gap between, I would say, the competition realm and, and the timmies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. But
1: so you expect like to have in shooting, so.
2: Yeah, exactly. So we'll have a red dot class, and then eventually we still want to do the, uh, a competition course. But it's instead of it being like an intermediate competition course, it'll probably be, we still got to come up with the name, but um, it'll be more of a fundamentals course, but it's going to be a minimum of two days. And it's going to, because we've just found that even in our, in our one day course, there's so much material that Kevin and I both want to go over that we feel that it would probably be best to turn it into a two day event to make sure that we're covering the ground that we want to cover to make sure we're doing justice to our, to our students and clients.
0: That makes sense. You don't want to jam so much stuff in there that they get just a little bit of each topic. You know?
2: yeah, yeah. And I mean, when we, when it's the two of us, we both like we start always start off the day with like fundamental stuff, but then we kind of do a di- divide and conquer type of deal, which is like Kevin will teach a, a section of what he teaches, I'll teach a section of what I teach, and then we'll flip flop. And there's just to be able to do the flip flop, there's it, we find that um you know there's we always like we we cover a lot of topics, but there's so many topics out there that Kevin and I are both are like, man, I wish we could have gotten to this or like, I wish I could have gotten to this. And Kevin's like, yeah, you know, I wish I could have covered this additional thing. And we find that like at this point, we're just like, you know what, why smash it into one day when we can do it in two days. And then it'll be something, it'll be more of a full weekend event and we can really cover all the ground, really get the rounds down range. And then also this way the students and the clients like get the full experience, so to speak.
1: So. yeah and, and really like at the end of the day um drills are great but it's the repetitions that really matter right yes. so like if you were to do like build drills like whatever whatever drill you want to call it like cool you get like 30 minutes and you do three or four build drills but if you're not accustomed to doing build drills and you're not 100 percent aware of what you're supposed to be focusing on there's almost no way you're really going to understand a build drill with doing it three times you know, so just uh, the high repetition is really what we're after. Um, you know, some people, some people, I feel like some people like it. Some people don't. Um, some people that don't like it is because it's really high round count. But at the end of the day, that's kind of what we're trying to teach, right? It's like learning your gun, learning the timing of, of, of your dot, of your iron sights, whatever you're doing. Um, shooting is shooting. But at the end of the day, it's all about repetition. So
0: now you've been primarily teaching competitors and, and I would expect that they would expect to be shooting a little bit more. Hopefully they handle their gun more than most. And so they're more accustomed to a longer day with more shooting or at least more gun handling mm-hmm. when you open it up to other folks do you think they'll be in the same boat? Like they're going to be used to shooting a high round count days or do you think that might be a
1: challenge? So I think um, when we start, when we launch our red dot class, it's going to be a one day class, right Dave? Yeah. It's going to be one day class and that class is going to be more of the the fundamentals of a red dot. So we're going to take a brand new shooter, not necessarily a brand new shooter, but somebody who's not accustomed
2: to red dots and kind of go through that whole
1: explain all the little nitty gritty about everything right and if and even if
2: you are a customer red dots this is just going to be something that's going to help you even further but
1: yeah continue Ken. yeah but um when we teach our our competition class um the expectations and the yeah the expectation is just going to be a little bit higher so i i feel like what you're saying dave is you know having newer shooters experience more advanced skill set um that's kind of where it divides right the red dot class would be more for like the newer style shooter whereas our competition course will have some
2: higher prerequisites higher expectation yep yeah and i mean as far as like the let's say for the to bridge that gap and for like the for the addressing like kind of like the red dot class and stuff like that um yeah we'll have some sort of pre-reqs as far in and, and the pre is basically just going to be some safety parameters and stuff along those lines to make sure that we're not like we get guys that, or ladies that know how to safely draw or and or safely point the gun in the appropriate direction. No basic gun safe gun handling like safety if that makes sense. Um, we just don't like obviously we don't want to be out there taking time from everybody else to teach somebody how like the raw fundamentals of shooting a gun For instance, like if someone's never shot a gun before, like we want to make sure that everyone else that has been there understands that, you know, the full, I guess how I want to put it, the, the full parameters of, uh, you know, there's so much material to cover. We can, we only have so much time to do what we got to do. So we want to make sure that we're covering the bases that we need to cover in order to get everyone fulfilled. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So if someone signs up for your intermediate class. Mm-hmm. How do you vet that they know these skills ahead of time?
2: So for what, what I have done in my classes, and then Kevin and I, we've, <laughs> we've dealt with this before. Cause sometimes people <laughs> are just going to tell you, sure. Like I've had people tell me like, Oh yeah, I've taken, I've gone to two or three competitions. And then like, when they get to class, it's pretty clear that they haven't come to any competitions and they're, like, they're right. real, real, real green. And come to find out they've just gone and watched the competition and like they've never actually participated or done anything along those lines. So people are gonna tell you what they want to 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 get into class or what however it is. I mean, there's a certain degree of people that you're just gonna have to you just have to work with to a certain to you know, to a certain extent. But there are, it's easy, like, if if I put my classes on practice score, we put our classes on practice score, then, like, obviously, in the descriptions, like, you can, during registration, you have, there's a whole, you know, drop-down paragraph menu where you can request a, like, kind of a shooter's biography or shooter experience and just ask them, like, hey, what kind of experience do you have in firearms? Like, tell us what you, like, when you started shooting, what you shoot. What classes have you taken? What competitions have you, like, have you done? And then you can tell a lot based on, like, if someone tells me, tells us right off the bat, like, oh, yeah, I'm a D-class shooter or a C-class shooter. It's just, like, yep, you're good. Like, I know, like, if you took your time to get classified, you're good to go. And then, like, there's other things, Mm. you know. But, but Kev, like, I mean, there's a few others that, like, I mean, I know Kev has had people from other areas that you've vetted other ways, like off Instagram or Facebook or stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could kind of learn a lot. <laughs> you could learn a lot about a person off of social media. Yep. Um, so there's that's a great way to kind of vet some certain parts of it. But I mean, at the end of the day, like Dave was saying, like Wampler was saying, it's it sucks. You guys both have the same name. Uh, but uh, well Wampler name. was saying. <laughs> <yeah>. Sure. <laughs> uh, you almost just you almost have to kind of take people at their word and kind of you know trust them and engage what they engage them once they show up for class and stuff like we've, we've had it we've had some people show up that are were very green that had stated that you know they had a lot of experience and that's okay you know it's not preferred but you know i think with our safety margin of both dave and i being main instructors and then we always have at like one or two admin like we have a lot of oversight right so um we have ways to kind of work around it to make sure that everybody is safe and we're getting people up to speed and stuff like that. But it is it it is a little bit more challenging when they when they they don't have a certain skill level or at least understanding of competition shooting. Because not not to say that we have to dumb down the material, we don't, but we just have to make sure the understanding is there a little bit more clear and and concise. That right.
0: You have to say a lot more words to yeah. explain yeah. it to them to make sure they understand. I get
1: it.
2: Yep, yep. And and it does help that we have that we do bring on our our team and a a few of the guys. So in case there is somebody, and this doesn't even necessarily have to be a green shooter, but uh, our uh, our our assistants are they're pretty versatile in kind of what we what we do. And we do have like team training days where we'll go out as a team and do our own like kind of training sessions and whatnot. And so they kind of understand about like how we teach and how we view things and kind of they've been, they've been shooting with us for a while. And so our assistants, if for whatever reason, like we they need to uh, kind of key in on one person, that's not quite getting a particular subject or whatever it is, they're able to kind of take them to the side and work with them real quick and kind of get them up to speed. So we don't bog down like the rest of the class. So if at the same time, that person is still getting necessary, like um, input, so, that they're not getting completely left behind by one particular um, drill or one particular uh, situation that we're teaching at the time. Okay. Yeah.
0: Now, Dave, did, maybe I'm, I'm misremembering to quote the Biden administration, but um, <laughs> <laughs> did, did you go to one of the Eric Graffel classes?
2: Um, I did. I had the wonderful opportunity to take a class from Eric at the beginning of 2023, so just over a year ago.
0: And can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Um, yeah, as far as uh, taking a class from Eric, I will say this. I've taken a class from a few high-level instructors, and, uh, and taking a class from Eric is definitely very, very, very eye-opening. His, uh, his approach to practical shooting is um, very, very analytical. Everything is numbers-based. So everything that he has got figured out has got figured out as far as winning roll shoot has been based on a pretty strict calculation of how to go about winning stages and based on his hit factor and knowing his how he performs. And so the big, my biggest takeaway from Eric is the fact that that dude knows his ability and can, tr- can interpret his ability to actual like quantifiable statistics. And he can play those statistics against the board at any given time to determine his outcome. And based on that, based on how he does that, he, um, he's able to ramp up and ramp down to his competition. And like, literally he just, the whole time he's going to ask you, like, even during drills or whatever it was, it was, Hey, what's the hit factor for this? What's the hit factor for this stage? And I'm not sure if you've ever just like walked up to a drill that's, like, 25 rounds. But, like, it would be a whole random transition drill with a few little bit of movement here, with a little bit of that. And he'll be like, all right, tell me what the hit factor is. And right off the bat, he could tell you the hit factor. And then he could, like, tell you exactly how long it's going to take you and exactly, like, based on you getting perfect hits. And so, like, he's, he's got his head wrapped around the whole, like, practical shooting. Not practical shooting, but competition very, very in-depth. And um, the biggest takeaway, like I said, from taking this class is – super high attention to um, to the small things and to being very uh, process-based in the fact that, like, it, everything is a statistic and you have to learn how to, I guess, make, uh, make adjustments and understanding your current ability to be- better inject probabilities into your shooting. So this way you don't actually go overboard. You know how we always talk about, like, only shoot at 90% of your ability like during a match like match mode and all this jazz like he takes it to the extreme of knowing your of knowing your own performance and how to calculate it if that makes sense yeah.
1: he's he's wow. um he's pre skynet so yeah. like in the future he's going to be like t1000 right. ain't got nothing on him so
2: it's yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I mean, so and that and that's like that was one of the biggest things is knowing like how he takes takes away like uh and how he calculates. Um, we spent a lot of time based on like self evaluation for uh for learning what the numbers are telling you. Now, as far as like drills and different stuff that we worked on, we worked on a lot of transition stuff, we worked on a lot of visual cues, we worked on how to approach moving targets and different techniques and how to approach moving targets um we approached how to like as far as what's acceptable as far as hits go on targets which it's literally just all alphas you have to get points 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 and then we actually worked on a huge portion of um, muzzle awareness um one thing that's funny is like you think when you go take a class with eric Rafael, like knowing how not to break the 180 and how attentive you are to like where your muzzle is, even if you're riding the 180, moving left or right, like how much of detail he actually puts into that movement. And like one of the things that Eric was telling us is the fact that like when he shoots IPSC um, and he travels all over the world shooting IPSC, there's typically IPSC matches are like 30 stages, right? Over the course of many days. So therefore over the course of 30 stages, you have, ample opportunity to not only you know, absorb points, but to also have a chance to get possibly DQ'd. And so because of that, and because you've spent so much money in airfare, hotels, and then the whole, you know, the whole machine getting to this, these matches, you need to make it first and foremost in your head that the only way to make sure you compete consistently at these matches and make sure that you can consistently perform and make sure that that is being done safely and making sure that you're not giving anybody any sort of inkling that you are at any point breaking that 180. And so he was super hard on people about muzzle discipline. And like, we went over like ways to how you angle your hand, how you're like, what you're doing as far as initiation steps moving out of a position to make sure that it gives nobody an excuse for you to like to question your movements or to question where your muzzle is pointed. Because he's like, you know, he's like, I spent months and years and years perfecting and honing my craft. He's like, this is something that I feel needs to be touched on. And we literally went over it for like three and a half, four hours. So it was, uh, wow. but it was good. It was good. I mean, it's something that like you don't even think about, but like even people today, I mean, go to any local match that you attend and there's a handful of people we all know that, you know, are more concentrated with the targets down range than they are with that muzzle awareness of what the gun like with the gun in their hand. You know what I mean? So yeah. so it's like I I, I can see, it, especially for a guy that literally just makes a living traveling and going from match to match to match to match all over the country, all over the world. Yeah, you probably should have that on lock because I don't wanna I don't wanna travel all the way to France or all the way to, you know, wherever a major match is, just overseas, just to get DQ'd based on you know,
0: my hand angle for whatever reason. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. And I mean, it makes perfect sense to, to be that detail oriented about something like that because yeah, he's right. You don't want to travel to Thailand and day one, do something <laughs> stupid, get, and all of a sudden get disqualified. Now, uh, what are you going to do? you going to hang around for four more days or are you leaving? Exactly. You know what a crappy yep. trip that is. Yeah, but we so, learned a lot
2: of we I learned a lot of a lot of different things from the class, but it was uh, like I said, it was a very mentally taxing class. It was very good.
0: I I can imagine it's I, I can see why people are handpicked for the class.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Because you're not gonna have and, and I this is not to offend anybody, but you're not gonna have a B class shooter. Understand it at the same rate as a gm who's constantly competing you know what i mean
2: mm-hmm.
0: like that is something that you that man that thing kills me every time <laughs> um the uh what i'm trying to get at here is you've already got to have a very good understanding of everything else in order to think like an eric Griffel or even a nils or so you know a christian who because christian to me seems like he could be at some point there because i've just heard little snippets but i hear him saying oh this is a this split this is i can do this over here i can do that over there so he's already thinking about it in those terms you know Mm -hmm. but but i i looked back at the results from this past weekend he put 225 points on Sal Luna. Uh, yep. and I mean, and I'm like, didn't Sal's a beast? <laughs> 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 I mean, uh, yeah. if you said he was going to put 225 points on Sal Luna, I'd be like, what? Come on. I, he's going to beat him. I mean, he's a GOAT. But by 225 points, oh, my
2: gosh. It's over, a, it's over a 32-round field course.
0: But that's that's almost ten points, you know, at thirty stages. I mean, you're talking seven points a stage. He's beating him seven points every single stage. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's just constantly adding up. It's like, oh my gosh. So it's interesting mm-hmm. that he can just go to any match and calculate that stuff up like a freaking computer.
2: Hey, I'm gonna tell you what though, it is interesting because like he doesn't put anyone he, never, he doesn't put anyone down. And so, like, his, his mathematical formula is based on whoever's winning that stage at the time. So, like, whether it's a B-class shooter or C-class shooter, whatever it is, whoever's winning that stage at that time, he use, he's able to utilize that hit factor to his calculation and then decide based on where that person is of that class, based on where he can predict the next hit factor needs to be or, like, the appropriate skill level hit factor needs to be. And then he can decide, all right, I need to go for it on this stage. Or not go for it, but I can shoot at this certain level of my ability to like guarantee this outcome. And then he'll just, boom, execute it. So like, he, like it helps, he says, to like have higher level shooters there to gauge off of, to make sure like he can, like his formula is even, is that much more accurate, but it doesn't right. matter whether he even, even has just like B class, C class guys there. He still applies his formula so it's, it's That's crazy it's
0: mm-hmm. yeah wow i mean I've, I've heard nils talk in terms of if you have so many charlies now you have a mic if you do this then you have that but
2: mm-hmm.
0: it, it's interesting how these different guys at that level think in different ways because i mean i've heard nils say that i wasn't the best shooter that day someone else was but i was the better competitor and that's Mm -hmm. what it comes down to but I think with Eric though I think he's got it all I mean he's you you could say he he might be the greatest shooter but he's obviously the greatest competitor Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah for sure so the last time that I'm aware he lost was in the shoot off with Robert Vogel yep
2: I watched that the other day oh did you really I did yeah yeah okay I heard Eric had the flu then, too, so I'm going to give Eric the. <laughs> <laughs> Robert's still taking the win. Robert still took the win. Yep. Yeah,
0: well, uh, what I mean is he's going to accept that as like, I beat yeah. Eric. Yeah. I know. You got to take, like, yep, you you gotta take it. You can take it. You got to take take it. I can don't care it. that he was on crutches. I beat him. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> That's uh, funny. Now where do you guys plan on, on taking everything that you've gained from competing from other shooters that you've taken training from where, where do you plan on going with your training personally and with the business quote unquote?
2: Um, I would say, I mean, so we apply a lot from other instructors currently. Um, I think that's kind of what everyone does in the shooting community right now. Anyway, we're all picking and choosing different areas from other things that we like from other instructors, whether it be, you know, a very well-known instructor or whether it be an instructor that is, you know, not as many people are, you know, know about, but there's still a lot of elements and different things you can take from multiple sources and kind of bring them together. And then, you know, it's, it's going to be ultimately your delivery method is going to be what sticks with people the best. And so, Based on all the different things that we've learned and that Kevin and I have learned, um, we both have, you know, even though we, you know, we shoot together and whatnot um, we both have our own unique styles of shooting. And I think that's one thing that kind of um, draws people to us in our collab is because, you know, there's certain things that Kev does better than I do and there's certain things I do better than what Kev does. And, you know, that's the pros to the, you know, the, the pluses to the to having both of us do the same type of thing. But as far as like training goes, um, at least for me, um, it's just hardcore grinding out on the fundamentals is like, is kind of where I, where I'm going to be for, for quite a while. I mean, it's, it's the small nitty gritty stuff. I will tell you what, there is no low hanging fruit at this point. There's, it's just everything that I work on is going to be, I mean, you're grinding on. So lots and lots and lots of reps and lots of rounds downrange. I find that, um, as much dry fire as I've done in my life and I've done in, in the past a lot, at this point in my shooting career, it's a, it requires a lot of rounds downrange to get just to eat, to get better. Yeah.
0: yeah. And that, when I had John Vlieger on, he is a, he said, I don't dry fire anymore. I just like fire. <laughs> oh
1: yeah. I love John. Uh, John also
2: walks, <laughs> can typically walk out back and, and do a little bit of shooting too. Yeah. His, his he can. Exactly. <laughs> <that stuff> <laughs> so, What
1: were you going to say, Kevin? No, I was just going to say, you know, I'm, I'm I'm pretty similar. You know, my, my schedule, my life just right now is pretty busy. It's been busy. Everybody's busy. Right. But, uh, I just don't really get a lot of, I'm not afforded a lot of spare time. So my dry fire sessions just are pretty short when I get to get, when I get to have them, you know, as a fireman, I don't get to bring a gun to work. (laughs) Like I've trained a bunch of cops and military guys and they're like, yeah, why don't you just bring your gun to work and dry fire work not allowed to do that it worked so, that way no nope. yeah so it's you know they so at on least that. <laughs> so at least a third of each month or a third of it each year i can't dry fire at all right so i'm to i kind of I have to figure out where i can piecemeal it all together but like dave um like wampler was saying uh at the level that we're at now not to say that dry fire is not important it is but I'm finding that live fire is a little bit more valuable than dry fire for me right now, only because um, everything's gotta be in time, right? The way you split your gun, the way that you transition your gun, it's all a visual cue on what you see in terms of recoil impulse and for, for whatever given target array or presentation. So for me, uh, it's just a lot of reps like Dave was saying, um, I'm going to be doing a lot of, uh, you, you can ask almost anybody out there. They'll tell you most of what we do is all fundamental based, right? Uh, you talk to JJ, you know, most of his training is all fundamental based. Like everybody wants to do a lot of this moving and stuff like that. And that's great. You know, if you're afforded some, some moments to go out to a range and set up a couple of walls, fault lines, whatever else, and, and move, that's awesome. Um, but if you can really learn the timing of how your gun or how your dot or your sights um, react and learn exactly when to press the trigger on whatever given uh, target array, um, I think you will do yourself more justice than just running around like crazy. If you're, if, and, and that's just my opinion, right? Like if you're, if you're kind of crunched on time, what am I gonna do, work on moving or am I gonna work on shooting? I would nine times out of 10, be more concerned about the shooting aspect than the moving because if you can't if you can't buckle down really hard on how you shoot right once you start moving that gets harder shooting gets harder so um so yeah i don't know if that answered your question at all but uh, a lot of fundamental (laughs) stuff so very similar to what dave is saying um and it you know kind of sound i feel like his his little parrot over here at the top but uh you know that's why we're we're a great team because i think Without intentionally doing it, we think very much on the same wavelength in terms of training and 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 stuff like that. So.
0: Now, when you're let's say you have a two hour training session by yourself on it's just you on the range. Mm -hmm. How much dry fire are you doing between live fire strings? Any at all or 10 percent
1: or. Me personally, not, not very much. Okay. Like if, if, if I was shooting, let's just argue I was shooting 10 shots, I would probably do Nine and a half, <laughs> nine and a half live fire. Like very little. Okay. There's, so 5%, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, so I would say for me, it would be application based. So like if I'm doing a lot of uh, mini stages, um, like it depends what my structure, what my drive or, what my live fire session is going to entail. Like the biggest thing you need to really do is have a plan leading into the live fire. Um, there's nothing worse than getting to the range and just being like, ah, just throw this up. And then you have no structure and there. You don't know what you need to work on or anything like that. Like your life, your live fire needs to be structured. So with that being said, like if I'm going to the map, if I'm going to the range, I'm going to decide, Hey, today I'm going to be running like a mini stage of some sort. Like, um, usually over the course of shooting that mini stage i'll change start positions or whatever it is well when i do that i'll run through it dry a few times um not just walk it like we do like at a match but actually run it dry with the gun out so that like you know it just take advantage of the of the situation that we're currently in like i mean at a match you can't dry fire with the gun out you can't like get the nuances of having the gun and like how you're going to work the gun around barriers and how you're going to actually, you know, move with the gun in your hand. So like, if you can do that when you're at the range, then by all means take advantage of all those little nuances. Like just because you're a football, like during football practice, they'll have ladders on the ground, but there's no ladders on the ground during the actual game. Like take advantage of situations that you're, that, you know, that present themselves to you, especially during, during your practice sessions. So with that being said, I mean, it depends. Then there's other times where I'm working on tons of fundamentals or like even standards where you're not doing any moving and shooting. Um, a lot of times those I'll do a few like visualization, but then like as soon as I'm done visualizing it for a quick hot, like heartbeat, I'm not going to necessarily dry fire it out and whatnot. But I, I won't do as much dry fire in that type of repetition. If that makes sense, I'll do a lot yeah. more live fire after yeah. repetition. So sometimes more, sometimes less in dry fire uh, or in, in, in live fire that I'll impl- in implement, you know, dry fire. But I will say it, it also like it depends on your ammo budget. Um, yeah. Like if you only have 200 rounds to take of the range, like I can burn through 200 rounds in f- 10 minutes, 15 minutes real quick. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, you know, it just depends what you plan on working on. And then if you want to really take the time and push a two-hour session to its full max with, like, 200 rounds, then I'd probably say you're going to be doing quite a bit of dry fire. So, just depends on application and what you really want to work on.
0: Do you guys ever use it to warm up before you get going on it? Or do you like to run a drill cold right at the very beginning?
2: Sometimes, sometimes yes, sometimes no. (laughs) I, I mean, there's times where you pick and choose stuff. I mean, I, it, right. it, it depends what you want to work on. And so, like, you know, sometimes it helps to have a, a whiteboard, you know, in your in your dry fire dojo at home or whatever it is and figure out exactly what you're going to be working on in your dry fire and then what you can do to take that to your live fire. Right. Um, when you go to that live fire, sometimes there's times where I want to run a drill like cold. I, you know and at that point I treat it I do like a, I do a dry fire warm-up just like if I were at the safe area at the range right or at the at a match or whatever it is I'll do like five minutes or whatever it is of dry fire to get you know to get acclimate to the site to make sure my grip is solid to make sure I'm presenting my indexes right make sure that's good and then I'll just you know put you know hit the hit the beep and you know, Hopefully the drill turns out the way I want it to turn out and you know I get data points and do you know get feedback from there. Um
1: and Instagram wins. I mean realistically, yeah. <laughs> realistically, that's like your normal drive that's like your normal make ready, right? Anyway. Yeah. Usually like five 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 or five to ten minutes of, you know.
2: Yeah, well, five to ten minutes. That's a it's like-
1: and do it again. <laughs>
2: Make ready. Everybody go grab a drink. We'll be back. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, but then there's other times where like, I'll just, you know, sometimes I start the session off with like some just mm-hmm. basic, basic group shooting. And then I run harder into the session, if that makes sense. Yep. So I'll kind of do a ramp up. Other times it's just jump right into it. Other times I'll pick, I'll pick sessions where I don't ever shoot the same thing twice, which is something that Eric Riffel does. And then like if there's multiple targets and multiple orders, I will just choose a random order every single rep and change it because we never get a chance to shoot the same thing twice in USPSA. We're always shooting a different stage. Um, other sessions, I'll take a different like, approach, whereas I'll set up a standards type of drill or like a standards mini stage and I'll rep that thing out in the same order constantly so just having a plan if you ask me is like the biggest thing and then sticking to that plan for your practice session and then if you want to dry fire it out dry fire it out if you want to if you don't want to and you have the rounds to burn then then go for it but there is a lot of stuff that can be seen in dry fire when you take the actual shooting out of the equation so like there's you know everything's a data point when you look at it so absolutely
0: so have, have you ever set up a basic classifier, a uh, USPSA style classifier, um, and run that cold just to see if you can run it a certain percent like it was the first stage of the day. So that way you have a gauge with which to see where you're at.
1: So, so with a lot of my clients that end up training and stuff, um, I usually do like a lot of big group stuff right so there's usually i don't know six to ten guys so to be able to to offer something right on demand is kind of what i'm afforded all the time right i always have to demo right so most of my practice sessions sessions if you want to call them that is in the confines of what i'm teaching those those moments where i get to do a demo it's usually when I get to do some live fire, like genuinely. So I don't really get a lot of time to train, unfortunately, but um, those do those moments that I do get to train when I'm demoing, um, I do them cold because we need to be able to perform on demand, right? Um, and on top of that, that gives a little bit of, what is the word I'm looking for? Like stress, right? You have like all these guys watching yeah. you like, Oh, is he going to mess it up? Is he going to do well? Like he's a GM, he should do it well. And you know, when you, when you, when you're able to just sell yourself and perform, I think that does um, a lot for yourself in building on um, the confidence and to, to kind of walk on a, on a stage and just perform. So do I set up specific stages like a, like a classifier or something like that? Not really. I don't necessarily like practicing classifiers. Um there's once upon a time when it did, <laughs> but uh, I just, I don't really think about them anymore. Stage is a stage. I mean,
0: yeah. And I, I, did, I didn't mean it as like practice it, but just set it up to where it, you have a, uh, to use you guys' language, you know, you have a data point with which to compare where you're at cold. You know what I mean? That sure, That's yeah. the only reason I bring that up. But uh, Kevin, you're on a Mac, aren't you? I am. It showed me yeah. like a little uh, thumbs up here. <laughs> I was yeah. like, Why I, the bubble. I just I just found out that uh, I use EVMux for recording. And if people are on a Mac, they can actually activate some of the widgets, some of the like emoji style stuff with hand gestures. So when you were doing that, strange. you activated it.
2: Yeah. Don't, I'm on a I'm on an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> is, this, is this one so it, this
0: one uh it it, it it i had noel czars on here and he that. did it four different times <laughs> so that's
1: funny that's
0: so funny. that is yeah. all right so before we went live we talked a little bit about you guys are getting ready to go to ipsic nationals so i assume that both of you are looking to go to world shoot or is this just another match you want to try something different what what's the deal here
2: um at least for me i find myself so i, I my goal for years ago was to go to world shoot um COVID had other plans so that kind of got pushed around and pushed and pushed and pushed and then inevitably i wasn't able to attend um the most recent world shoot that i had qualified for um so with that being said like it i don't really know what's uh the you know what 2025 has in store. Um, who knows? So at that point, I, you know, as far as ipsic nationals goes, it's, it's a pretty decent, it's a decent match. Um, it's pretty, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm excited to see what the one over on the West coast is going to do. Um, but at the same time, like we always already intend on going to nationals. And so with, so with that, like, because you don't really know what the future entails and who knows, we might want to go to the next world shoot, we might not, but unless you qualify for it or uh, unless you attend the matches that you need to go to shoot, to get into it, um, it automatically rules you out. So if those matches are already just on our schedule naturally, um, then it doesn't rule out any possibilities for us. So right now, as far as me, you know, I'm going to act like I'm going to world shoot in 2025,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: but um, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, then, um, then at least I know that I, you know, I didn't just sit there and decide. Oh man, I really wish I could have gone and didn't qualify. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So. For me, like honestly, I I never really considered this being.
2: I I've gotten
1: farther in this or gotten deeper into this sport more than I ever really intended to. <laughs> I kind of happenstance fell into it because my boss was a GM and he was like, "Oh, let me let me sponsor you." Okay. Uh, I didn't really know what I was doing at the time, but you know, I've, I've gotten deeper and deeper and deeper. I've never really thought I would do IPSC um, until Dave kind of talked me into it. And I was like, all right, you know, whatever, you know, it'll be a IPSC match. Let me just give it a try, whatever. You know, we both did pretty well. Um, and like, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, dude, how cool would it be to represent the U.S. on the world stage, right? That's like the Olympics for us. So um, that'll be an awesome honor. And, you know, that, that, my dreams and thoughts and everything have kind of shifted and now i'm like dude you know that would be really awesome to be able to represent the u.s especially um alongside some of these great guys that shoot um if dave was there you know that would be that would be amazing if if dave wampler and i were to show up there in ipsic world shoot and you know represent the U.S. i I get it you don't want me to show up I was like, I, I got to make sure we we clarify what today I'm talking about right now. I know.
0: <laughs> I love you, Dave. Which one? <laughs> There's a reason <laughs> why say <you're> so last <laughs> <listening. laughs> Oh, so now are both of you gonna shoot open?
2: Yeah, we actually made the super scalper yep. open. Yep. Yeah. So we were very fortunate. Okay. Yep, they made uh. so, they're cha- so, so they, uh, they changed IPSC Nationals for this year just a little bit. It's a three-day format. Um, yeah. They actually have super squads. Um, it's going to be kind of – I want to say – didn't we talk about this earlier, like 21, 22 stages? Um, yeah, something like I that. Think it, I think that's what it's going to be. Um, so it'll be – it's interesting because years past, IPSC Nationals has always – or U.S. IPSC Nationals – has always just felt kind of like a section match, if that makes sense. Um, it hasn't ever okay. felt like a nationals level match, um, just mm-hmm. because it just it it just it's never had that feel. So um, I think this year is there they are making the they're making the attempt to kind of make it more of a like. Nationals event because it is all intents and purposes yeah. the what the one of the only ma- only IPSC matches other than what they bring into Florida here and there. Um, that is an actual IPSC match, um, in the United States. So they want to make it a little bit more grand if that makes sense. Yeah. So, okay. Yep. So this one, I'm, I'm really excited for this one. This one's gonna be fun.
1: Yeah. We neither of us have been down to Arizona to shoot, yep. so it'll be really awesome looking
2: forward to okay oh yeah
0: well and i asked if you were both shooting open because you guys have a tendency to other than like open nationals but a lot of other matches like virginia state and whatnot you guys will shoot different divisions i don't know if you're just trying to hog all the trophies or go easy (laughs) on each other or what
2: no you know kevin (laughs) and i have had this conversation a few times like hey you want to go for overall or do you want to win your division and so it'd be like it'd be like yeah, yes. without sounding conceited or anything like that, we'd be like, all right, you go win this, I'll win this, or you go win that, I win this. There you and go, it. yeah. So, but yeah. I mean, we're very much a team aspect. Um, I know at Del Marva, I wasn't sh- like I know coming straight off of uh, off IPSC Nationals, Kev. I don't know if you're going to shoot open at Del Marva, or if you've decided if you're going to shoot carry out op- or limb ops or whatever.
1: I'm going to shoot limb ops. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
2: so yeah. So like so next. So in my anticipation, like at least for two matches that we're shooting this year is that kev will shoot virginia state in open again hopefully so he can defend his title and then i'll shoot open in delmarva to def- defend my title since i won delmarva last year yeah. so like and then we both don't give each other there's no sense of giving each other a run for the money we'll let everybody else do that <laughs> but we can still yeah. also at the same time um because we have a team and we are trying our best to represent ourselves as a team it is a group effort when we when we win it's a it we kind of all share it right. in the uh in the revelry so with that like you know if 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 one of us can win the division and then another one of us can win the overall um that you know that's that's wins back in our book so we're like yeah. that makes us happy especially like i, I can't remember who else with like I, we had a really good showing for the collab team um yeah Virginia State. State.
1: yeah logan won B, Care optics and I think Dylan won. Care optics A and he made master that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yep. yeah. I
0: had it up earlier. Let me. Uh, I'll pull it back up. Um, but yeah, it was something like that. Oh, there we go. Boom. Now, <laughs> scroll down. There it is. So it was. Yeah, Kevin won open high overall. David. Wampler for the audience was the limited optics champ, not David Riddle. Um, and then you guys had uh carry optics, a champ and uh, he was limited optics. B second. Second. That's what it was. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. That's right. I think, did he win Ellie too?
1: He did. That's what he won. He won Ellie. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that I assume then David you'll be defending your limited optics. Fiber.
2: I mean I think that's the only necessary uh, conclusion to <laughs> this whole, this whole thing is what we need to do.
1: <laughs> so Dave let me just put yep. in this way we had a conversation leading up to Virginia state and he's like well hey I'll just shoot this is Dave talking by the way he goes hey I'll just shoot limited optics so that way I'll give you a chance to win. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: you, you can take it. You can have that one.
1: <laughs> you can have that one, so that way you can have, oh, you can have the goodness. belt, too. And I already have my belt, so you can have the belt. That's what he said.
2: <laughs> well, I, I feel, feel like I'm, well. I'm, I'm very cheerful.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but yes, So how yet.
0: was... uh
2: Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead.
0: I, I was just gonna go ahead and move on to last year's Open Nationals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, how was that for you guys?
2: Oh, first day was amazing. <laughs> first day was amazing for me, Kev. I know you were at the at the end of the first day, not feeling great, and then the second day for me was a rough go. Kev, you did a lot of you did a lot of, of clawed, and not, I want to say clawing back, but you did a you made a good like you had a good push on on the second day and then the last day we both just like i felt like the last day we both uh, we both did relatively well yeah like, there, were couple things.
1: There, there was there was a couple things it was like i couldn't i couldn't shake two mics per day it, i don't know what it was but i couldn't shake two mics per day it's like i went like the first stage was great the second stage this is day 1 first stage was awesome but that was like a stand and deliver classifier style stage so you know it's kind of like my bread and butter of what i practice. so that that went fine and then the second stage i had a mic and then two stages later i had a mic and i was like man like i just couldn't do it so it just kept continuing on that way for me but uh I, i don't know i thought even though i shot a few more mics than i wanted to i think that was probably one of the better nationals that i've ever shot same for you dave um I think that was probably one yeah. of the best nationals that you shot. Um, just, it, we were in good company. you know we had great weather. we had you know I think the stages were really really, really good, good mix of everything um, and it challenged us in in many different ways that uh, we got to we got to kind of show off some of our skills in terms of accuracy in terms of moving and, and stuff like that. So I was pretty pleased honestly from just in general. Uh, I was pretty pleased with how we ended up. Um, it's always hard shooting uh the AM, PM, AM shift because the super squad and everybody else shoot the PM on the last day. Right. So like you're sitting right. in limbo for half a day kind of wondering, well, where do I actually sit and yeah, you say we're gonna fall? Yeah,
0: That's where you yeah. need Eric to come in and tell you where you're gonna fall. <laughs> Dude,
2: I would love Eric to come to open nationals.
0: Oh I would love to see that battle. Mm-hmm. I would be amazing. it would be awesome. Oh, I would too. I, oh my gosh. Yeah,
1: I would go just to watch.
2: So, oh, yeah. question,
1: if if Eric Grafell came to Open Nationals, would they automatically put him in the Super Squad? Uh,
0: they yeah. better.
2: <laughs> I
0: mean, you, you got to bump somebody. Somebody's got to bump. go.
2: <laughs> yeah, <I> know, right? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I guarantee there's at least one person on the Super Squad that would be like, Yep. Oh, man, I'm yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to pull out. I'll place. sit this
0: one out on the other squad. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. I'll, just still yeah. Be over there. I'll, I'll watch. Yep. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's where you're just like, hey man, we're just gonna bump you to the second super squad. You know, it's all good. Yeah, it's all but good. yeah oh, Eric's yeah. gotta be on there because you've got to have Eric and Christian and Aaron nice. all on that squad.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, it'd be awesome.
0: So I tell you what, June Kim is uh coming up
1: too. Oh, yeah. So,
0: yep. June's he's right fantastic there in the thick job. of that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. He looks good with that uh, Masterpiece, too, man. The Masterpiece arms. He's shooting yeah. Masterpiece arms. Yeah. Now, right? Yeah. Who? June? Yep. Yep. pretty good, you know. June, yeah. June, yeah. Did you just switch
2: over to that? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Oh, I know that.
0: Yep. Yep. So. I think he had an Infinity, and another guy had the Masterpiece arms, and they actually swapped guns. <laughs> Oh, is and they're right both right? happy with what they got. Yeah,
2: that's what it was. Oh,
0: okay, nice, interesting. Nice. Okay, so yeah, yeah, worked out for the two of them. Yeah. Well, because I think he had
2: a nine millimeter or nine major infinity, and he wanted thirty-eight super comp.
1: That's yeah. He's awesome. Awesome. He's
2: anyway, I, yeah, I just.
1: I mean, because yeah. thirty-eight super comp is master race, so I get it. Sure, makes perfect sense. That's, perfect that's... sense. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a better round. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's,
2: that's what it takes to Virginia. <laughs> ah.
0: so, so, Kevin, you were never able to diagnose what it was that was going on to, to cause the mics, or did you just no, put it I behind mean, you?
1: I think for me, it was kind of, um, I was just getting a little, I was being a little bit too loose. Uh, towards like day two and three, honestly, um, a little bit of the fatigue was starting to set in um, towards the end, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really, the, the misses that I had, I was looking at them, and I remember talking to Dave about it, um, it was like, well, that one was stupid, that shouldn't have happened, and then this one, I just, I just pushed a little bit too hard, I wasn't patient with my size, so they're, like, little, little small details that I just wasn't really keyed in on at the moment, for whatever reason, like, there's one stage where we had two different ports and you could shoot the swinger from both sides, and then there was two wide open targets. And for some reason, I decided to go completely crazy on these two wide open targets, and I had a mic like on on a three yard target. It's just oh, little wow. little yeah, it was just little things like that. Uh, maybe it was not three yards, maybe it was like five or seven yards, but either way, but it was close. Target, I get you. It was close, and it shouldn't have happened, right? So I just I just um got a little trigger happy, and you know. Little things like that, so.
0: Well, the reason I'm asking is. um, Do you go back and then train on different things to try to. Make sure you don't repeat the same mistakes.
2: Yeah, Kev, you need to shoot those. uh, You need to go shoot some some three yard targets as fast as you can.
1: (laughs) As fast as I can. There you go. As as fast as I can, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be a really valuable and useful
0: ammunition.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, so, so, okay,
0: uh, never mind. So so so
2: ultimately in situations like that, like you recognize it, right? And you recognize yeah. but but really where that what stems from you throwing a mic at like a five four yard target or whatever it is, is the fact that your concentration is is elsewhere on a more technical yeah. area on the stage. Right. Yeah. And so, one way to drill that or to overcome, let's say, that type of situation is to work on technical situations that allow your brain to get more acclimated to processing that type of information faster. So that when you go to a really fast, you know, let's say a, a fast section in a stage, um, you can still have like be keyed into like the next area you're going to, but you have the mental bandwidth to take on the load of this one particular area while still transitioning your mind and where you're thinking like your, your, your whole, the, the process of, you know, how you're taking on the rest of the stage um, and still kind of be able to put a little bit of mental fortitude towards another section. Does it make sense? Hundred percent. So you're not like constantly. So yeah. So like if you, if you mess up on a very simple section, um, this is going to be like one of those situations where uh, you go back to high school and, if you do really bad on like a math test, like the biggest, the best way to, uh, to correct an issue on the math test is not to necessarily, yeah, you can go practice more math equations, but maybe your mind is just starved of oxygen. So you need to go do wind sprints to get that back. So maybe like, uh, maybe doing, uh, doing some sort of, uh, you know, wind sprint of some sort to get your, uh, to get your mind right, um, in training to allocate more bandwidth will help you from, you know go into a really small, small, small section and get fixed in on this one small area or for instance, or taking areas of certain stages just for granted. You know what I mean? And understanding the the allocated weight that you're dividing to certain areas on stages. And now I'm just rambling. So anyway.
0: Well, but <laughs> but no, I get it. I mean, yeah. but that that's what I'm saying. But It's still a diagnosis and you're still saying, okay, I just yeah. lost focus here. I was focusing on something else I shouldn't have been. I need to work on just making sure I'm in the present at each shooting position. You know, that's yeah. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, And and really like Dave was saying, like just having the, the bandwidth, right. So being able to treat the targets, the focus on what you need to focus on this target, but while still thinking about this other more complicated thing coming up, you know, there's a lot of different drills that you can kind of do like, um, dedicated targets, a great one, right. Kind of doing a different, different arrays. Um, one of the things that, that JJ used to like to do, you know where you're, you're starting a stage, you only shoot the stage one time in each different starting position, so you start somewhere else every single time and you kind of have to figure it out on the fly. So like different drills like that where you kind of build up the ability for your mind to process that information in real time is really what I've been trying to focus on a lot of this year so Yeah
2: okay. one, one thing I would uh, one thing I've been teaching and in, in talking to a lot of people about. Is uh, it's not it's not bad to shoot a stage or to shoot a certain type of scenario or certain uh certain array at the rate at which you can think. Mm-hmm. So so like you know how there's a lot of situations where we go to a match um and we try to burn in stages. And we try to like, we think of our stage plan, we come up with a stage plan and then we can't change it now because like we're on the line, we're two shooters up. We can't make a change to the stage plan. Otherwise, like, you know, we're going to crash and burn. Well, not having that mental elasticity to make quick adjustments to your stage plan. I mean, there's times I'll see whether I'm, you know, whether it's Kevin running the stage like right before me, or whether it's a D class shooter running the stage right before me that did something that like he or she didn't even know they could do. And I'm like, oh, you know what? That's interesting. I didn't see that little that little aspect or that little twist of like, I can, they can, you can actually shoot that target from right there, and that might be a little bit quicker. If you have the mental fortitude to make that quick adjustment right there on the line, it's going to go a long way. And really being able to, you know, think and shoot at the same time. There's a lot of stages we have in USPSA that like are memory type of stages, so you have to. Just be and you know, we want to do our best to like burn in stage plans and to really memorize like how we're gonna shoot a particular stage and really visualize it right. But we also need to have like basically a process that's going to allow us to adapt and overcome for situations that are not accounted for. Let's say, for instance, that steel that activates the target didn't go down with one shot, it took a second shot. Or like yeah. let's say, you know, the swinger came out faster than we thought it was going to or slower than we thought it was going to or we're one step to the left or we're one step to the right too far like making these quick easy small course corrections like when we get off it shouldn't just snowball and make the rest of the stage bad. Or there's a like in the complete opposite. Like there's times where we can take advantage of certain issue, of certain situations if they arise. Like, oh man, that swinger came out way faster. Like let me get on that and then let me get moving sooner or exit on it or however we want to do it. But like yeah. being so locked in and not being able to shoot at like being able to shoot at the pace at which you can think doesn't necessarily mean you're shooting slow. Um, you can shoot smart. And, and a lot of people get in that process so that, that you know I'm not telling you it's a it's, it's an excuse not to walk the stage and not to have a sound stage plan and not to like you know have have a strategy that's going to that's going to work but being able to you know there's a lot of times where people just they you know once they hear that beep, they can't process anything they can't do anything. they might as well have just hit like send and like, the most mental effort they took was to like hit the record on their camera. And then now they're just an auto drive mm-hmm. to the end. And then they, they can't even tell you the feedback when they, so on the show clear, like, all right, tell me, walk me through your stage. And they can't even give you like, you know, audible feedback or play by play because they don't realize what just happened. Right. So, you know, that's at least that's something that I've come across. And I've found that, you know, doing different types of drills, doing different types of field courses, I have found that like, if you think your way through a field course and you shoot at the rate at which you can think, um, if you're doing drills to increase your bandwidth overall, then you're naturally going to be able to shoot at a fast pace, but you're also gonna be able to shoot at your performance and really be able, or at your capability, and be able to maximize your capability at that time, if that makes sense. And like be able to shoot at that capability without going over that proverbial ledge and like, you know, pushing too hard and throwing that mic or throwing that, you know, that no shoot or whatever it is. So.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I almost feel like when you were sitting there talking, I, w- I wrote down, I was like, I feel like when you were talking about, you know, some, some things happen in stages. And, and the thing you mentioned specifically was a swinger coming out faster than you expected. I was like, you know, I don't necessarily see that at major matches because they try to keep everything the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I see that at local matches where, you know, the squad before you may not have set it up the same way or, you know, maybe you, so the demonstration is one way and then the RO resets it. And then next thing you know, it's different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I I could see where local matches would be a good practice with dealing with things that are going to, you know, throw a widget in there on you.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah, every time you shoot a local match, treat it as if it's a major match, and uh, you know it's there's, there's a lot of guys and a lot of people that that, that we teach that, uh, that 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 treat matches as if they're just practice for yeah. like a major match, but in reality, practice is practice, matches are matches, and if you treat matches, even local matches, like they're a major match, um, and you figure out the feedback and you figure out as far as like data points from those local matches, you'll be able to take those and move those to your major matches and be able to and be substantially more successful.
1: Yeah. And going back to that, that whole swinger thing, right? Like you, you Dave and I have gone to majors. and I actually even think even at nationals um, it's just, it's different how the swinger will, will react. Right. So like if we're at like IPSC nationals or something like that, like seeing like a nine minor round hit the popper versus a major round obviously it's going to be different right so the speed in correct. which it actually activates and how it comes out whatever it's all going to be different um so one of the things that dave and i have have been really good about is like if there's an open shooter or somebody shooting that with major ammo we'll watch that very specifically for that correct timing because if we get a whole bunch of people who are shooting minor ammo and yeah we see this the thing swing but if we can't gauge how much we can get done prior, or or whatever the case may be, then um, when we step up to the plate, the timing's going to be off, right? So going 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 along those same lines, again, having that uh, mental elasticity to be able to, like oh well, that is faster. Okay, we'll go back to you know basic skills that we've kind of learned and adapted um, through the years on how to engage swingers and movers is is kind of where we're. we have to kind of rely on there so
2: Mm
0: -hmm. okay all right so let's get to the fun stuff um david i heard this is your first year at shot show yep um so what'd you think
2: so i thought it was um it was pretty awesome i will say that it is interesting going from a uh from a competition mindset um you know my our world is is you realize it's oh so small compared to yeah. the, whole, the whole rest of the <laughs> the, the whole, whole industry, the whole industry. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you're like, Oh my gosh. And it's, it is funny. And I mean, I'm not going to call any companies or anything along those lines, but there's some companies out there that have a really small booth that you thought were way bigger than they were. And then there's other companies that you're like, Oh, I didn't realize they were like, I, you know, I barely even, you know, I barely see them or whatever it is. And they have one of the biggest booths you can imagine. And like, it's just, it's crazy. Cause like depending on the type of booth you see, depending on their setups and depending on like, you know, how many people they have. And um, you see, like you get kind of an idea of where these companies are in the standings, if that makes sense of mm-hmm. where they are yep. in the industry. Um, and whether you like go there and ask them or talk to them or whatever it is, um, it's interesting to see kind of like where everyone lies as far as the status goes um, in, in the industry. So it's, it is fascinating. It is eye opening to see um, it's super awesome to go around and see all the new products that are getting launched. Um, obviously you can't buy stuff at Chacho, but, um, but it is awesome to be able to actually put your hands on um, some really cool stuff. I mean, Kevin and I went to the hollow sun booth and my goodness, <laughs> their, their their thermal optics are ridiculous. Uh, ridiculous on especially on the pistol. They have a they have a sight on yeah. top of a pistol that is thermal. And literally, you sight you put like it, yeah. You're at shot show, so that's the only time we're like muscling people is like acceptable. Yeah, but, it is um, kind of weird, isn't it? That, it is, is yeah. the, that is the wildest thing because you see this yeah, guy just. I, Oh yeah, you're getting, yeah. I struggle started. with that. Oh, I'm
0: like trying to keep the pistols down and stuff, and you see everybody just like,
2: oh yeah, yeah you got no. guns
0: pointed at your head. You're like, what the hell's going on? Yep, yep. Yeah, but, there's uh, a face. Let me put it there.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so like, <laughs> right. so, yeah. So with that being said, like any any company that's got optics or anything on their guns, like of course they did their best to like make them look as fake guns as possible. But they're still like the only way to put, for whatever reason, the only way to put optics on in like to effectively look through a scope was to like point it at somebody like it didn't have to be an object. It just like it had to be like a person for whatever reason. But with that being said, like it's hard not to get a thermal reading on an object. So you have to kind of point it <laughs> at somebody or something like, so it was just like, right. Oh my gosh. It was like, Hey Kev, I'm going to point a gun at you real quick, but it's not a real gun, but it's a, it's a, I need to look, see what this thermal looks like. And so you like, you'll be looking through the thing pointing it at somebody. But, um, but yeah, no, it was a, uh, it was a fun experience. Um, Companies had some really awesome stuff. Hollow Sun had some amazing stuff they were coming out with. Um, yeah. and then uh, what else? Who else we we walked around and saw a ton of ton of stuff. Yeah. It was
1: it's, there's so almost no way the, to see the whole entire show. There's no way. No.
2: Yeah. If you like have a plan and then like you <laughs> stick can to it. <laughs> stick to the plan, and then like I guess what we could do is like you could map it out to where you're not like doubling back a ton that's the that only sense. way
0: you'd be able to do it yeah
2: yeah like yeah. You, i mean i feel like we covered a lot of ground 10 times over again yes you know what i mean yeah
0: yep. like you'd be like oh let's go do check it every this year.
2: out oh wait let me go all the way back across here to go see this one thing and then you go yep. all the way across the other to the like over the bridge to the other rooms and then you're <laughs> like oh wait let me go back <laughs> over there and yeah. you're eight mile eight and a half miles in steps in the first day before you know it
0: well, that that first day I stopped in at the Atlas booth that morning. I just missed you guys um, because the bridge didn't open till nine and it was like 830, 840. And there was just the entire population of Beijing was waiting for those doors to open. Yep. You know, So I'm like, uh, wait a minute. I know they're over here. Hold on. It's over. Let me go over here.
2: Yeah. And you guys
0: weren't there, but it was still it was nice to be, you know, look at the stuff they had on display and talk to those guys, too. But, yeah, it is. I mean, I've been the last three years and then 1996, um, but it, it just keeps getting bigger. And unless you're like, OK, I'm going to take this section and just walk this section this day, that's the only way you're going to see the whole show there's no other way to do it otherwise it's like you said dave it's it's the same thing i do is you like you walk all the way to the other side then you come all the way back then you walk to the other side then you come all the way back you know you're you're not necessarily walking the exact same path but you're still hitting the same sides all yep. the
2: time yeah. yep, it yep.
0: Is, i can't even begin to explain to people the just how many there were 55,400 people there this year Really? So, I got, yeah, I got the email from NSSF because I go as media and then they yeah. give me certain information and mm-hmm. they're the most attended one yet 55,400 people. I think
2: I can see media. that. I could see With that. 13
0: miles of aisles.
2: So I, f- I think we walked every single one of them. No, we, <laughs> didn't, we, didn't think, uh, we didn't stop. We didn't stop because, like, you're there. <laughs> <Right. already stopped. laughs> No, but like, goodness gracious, there's so much stuff there. I mean, it's fast. It is fascinating. Like I said, like you you can't. It is. You you can't see everything you want to see unless you have a good plan. But like, even then, like, I feel like if you go downstairs, which is like what we talked about, it's where like the more upcoming companies are like the more ground. Yeah. You know, grassroots companies are. Um, And some of the stuff they have is fascinating. Um, But you know what's killing me is the fact that, like, you go online a week after SHOT Show, and people are posting all these videos of things of, like, products, and you're like, why didn't I go see that? I should have went and saw that. Yeah. Why didn't I go see that company? I was meant to see that company, but I didn't even think about it. So it is a – it's a little overwhelming. I would say if you want to make a schedule to, to stick to, do so. But you also, if you want to meet with companies, establish meetings ahead of time. Because I will say yeah. like, you know, there's a lot of times where these companies that you want to get meetings with or whatever it is, they have already booked out the people that you need to talk to. Not just like, you know, the booth yep. people, but like the people that are, you know, important, the people that you need to talk to. Are the already movers booked and the up. shakers. Yeah, they're already booked yeah. up. So, like, do your best to do all of your you know, preemptive work ahead of time before shot. So this way, like, you know, you have it all scheduled out, ready to go.
0: Well, and the other thing with that, too, is Tuesdays are what they call suit day. That's where all the meetings and all that stuff occurs, a lot of it. And then a lot of them have fewer meetings scheduled the following days because they leave that open for, those spur of the moment or stuff that happens on Tuesday, they're like, oh, we need a follow up. So it's usually, I find, easier to go and look at. Well, it's not easier to look at product on Tuesday because everybody <laughs> and their mother is there trying to do the same thing. Tuesday, but Tuesday, and Wednesday
2: is pretty nuts, though.
0: It, it is. That's where I, I wish I was telling Kevin, I, I flew out on Thursday. I wish I had Thursday and Friday, but that would have meant. Yeah. Like I flew direct on breeze. So that means I would have had to wait till Sunday for the next flight out. And I was like, I am not waiting all weekend to get back because I flew the Thursday prior. So I would yeah. already been there for a week. So that, that wasn't going to happen now. So for each of you, what was the favorite non Atlas product you saw while you were there?
2: Oh man. Favorite non Atlas product. Fat Amy. <laughs> yeah, fat Amy. Is that appropriate? appropriate? <laughs> okay. what it what is it's what... is
1: it <laughs> it's a it's a dot. Yeah, so Hollow Sun makes the Ames, right? The AEMS. Um it's a it's a an awesome um enclosed emitter red dot. Well they, they created one that was bigger. They call it I don't know if it's actually gonna be called this, but the guy told us it's called a fat Amy. Like they want we're trying to get it past the, it can be called a fat Amy. This thing was huge. Yeah, and it, was, it was perfect. It was, it was awesome. awesome. Yeah, the glass was like the, the Ames is already an awesome dot, but they just made it larger. Yep. So I was I was a big fan of it. I, I thought it was awesome.
2: Um, yeah, it's on Ronin's gun. That's what it, that's who's like. If you have, was, yeah. yeah, if you have a chance to see his gun, um, it's his. It's on his gun. Um, but I didn't even realize it was his gun. I didn't even realize that to the after the fact. We're all sitting there like messing around with this thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, that dot is awesome. Like, this is fantastic. And then evidently that's something that they, a collab thing that they did or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that dot was pretty good. I will say this because Holosyn does not make an LPVO yet. Um, and that they're making know, that like the, uh, the primary arms optics, uh, LPVOs, um, mm-hmm. those are pretty sweet. Um, as far as the capability, and for the price point, those new—I can't, Kev. What is the what's the model
1: you just picked up? Uh, so the I, I bought the more budget one, but I bought the SLX. But the the Mac yeah. Daddy one, I think it's the PLX. That thing is freaking amazing. It's a one to eight by twenty four, I believe. It's one to eight by twenty four. Um, well, they do one to eight, one to six. They
2: had yeah,
1: but that, yeah, the, yeah. The PLX was a one to eight, but their new um, ACSS Nova reticle is amazing. It's just you know. Very simple. Uh, Dave and I are on the same wavelength in terms of rifle. That, not that we're like huge rifle guys, but uh, we, we don't like all the clutter, right, in a reticle. So it's, it was right. very bare minimum. It was very – you just had a couple hash marks for your drops and, and then a super bright fiber wire right in the middle. It's it's beautiful. So uh, that was okay. awesome. I, I really like that as well.
0: Now, did you guys look at the new Seymour dot by
2: yeah. chance yes the the rts3
0: yeah <laughs> we i i didn't i didn't i meant to but um i didn't get over there thoughts on the dot um
2: <laughs> okay moving um... on <laughs> okay. <laughs> i mean i mean sure for, for honestly for me I,
1: it's i think seymour makes a great product Right. Yep. I'm not, I don't, I'm not discrediting them at all. I think they make a great product, um, but it was a Seymour. Okay. Like, it looked, it looked the same. Yeah, looked, for me, it, just it looks the like the little glass bit, is a little bit bigger, but
2: yeah, it looked like a little bit bigger glass um, It is literally just a bigger, like a little bit more glass on a Seymour. Um, yeah. It wasn't anything crazy as far as like more clarity, more like um yes it's a little bit different than um um what's it called uh then like what you know it's different than what the trijicon is or like what that kind of stuff is right um mm-hmm. but it's not like I didn't it wasn't any new
0: innovation time. then
2: well no i mean the glass was bigger right so like yeah they right but that's down, what i mean pretty big um but it's <clears throat> but no it's yeah, yeah it other than that, it wasn't anything mind blowing. Um, yeah. The MSRP was interesting. Um, it's it's still in the lines of what their current Seymours are. Um, so whereas you see a lot of dots going to a uh, depending on like you know as far as the affordability price range stuff like that, um, this dot was a little bit it's a little bit pricey i mean i i, I can't remember right off the top of my head but i just knew that the price was a little bit was a little bit high for uh, for 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 me um and so you know it's a good dot i'm sure and i would be interested to see what the, the battery like the longevity is i would like to see i can't wait to see, there's going to be a lot of shooters and competition shooting them i'm sure um mm-hmm. so it will be interesting to see what the longevity is of the dot um you know eric I mean, Abel, you're, you're yeah, yeah,
1: eric's, eric's running them. yeah
2: eric's running eric's running it um jj's running Tom, it Jerry, yeah uh, running them. todd's running it so i mean they're it, we're gonna see what the longevity of them are um everybody eric everybody has talked about it being extremely clear extremely durable um it being shake a very awake. yeah it's shake awake um very yeah. good dot so it'll be interesting to see what see what uh how it actually plays out um when you know the more people that actually get it in their hands the more people that put it on their guns you're gonna see more you're gonna get more feedback than you are just from a smaller group now don't get me wrong doesn't it's not like you know todd or eric or any of those guys are any slouches i mean they're gonna put those dots through their paces but until you get those dots out to a ton of people um right like you know the control group is still pretty it's still pretty small. Pretty small. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see how it plays out over the over the scheme, over the, the over time.
0: Do you so.
1: any idea how long
0: they've had those to use?
1: Uh, I think Todd was using his all of last season. No, no, okay. no, no, okay. It no. no, no. Think of somebody else. No, somebody else. No, no,
2: no, no, no. So, so from from I think from what even what Eric said, he's had it for he's had it for a couple of months, but nothing outrageous. Um, okay. Like, he, like, it hasn't been something that's been, like, they've been going nutso about for, for a long time. Now, like, yeah, obviously these guys, you know, they couldn't post anything about it or show anything about it until, like, until SHOT Show. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but they didn't, they haven't had, like, a year and a half on it, or by any means.
1: Okay. No, you know, I was flat. thinking of Nils' dot. Nils, Nils has been yeah, running Nils, his dot. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Nils has been running his. And, honestly, that dot's pretty awesome, too. That was...
0: Yeah, that one is um that one I'm actually kind of excited about because it's everything you're looking for in a in a dot, and the price is right between two forty and two fifty is what they're talking. Yep. Six MOA dot top loading battery, shake awake on off, sixty thousand hours is what they're predicting with the normal CR twenty thirty two battery. Um and like you guys said, he's been running it since March of last year, so and he said it's fallen a few times, not on purpose either. <laughs> so without any issues, it held zero, didn't break. So yeah, it should be interesting. At that price point, I could see people going that way too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's that's where I, I did overhear somebody talking about the price of the um Seymour. And if that number is right, then I see them having a hard time selling a lot in the competition field when you have, I mean, the number I heard was more than an SRO. So. Right. That's a, yeah. that's a significant number. If you're above the cost of an SRO, you're that's mm, that. There's not going to be a whole lot of people buying that because yes. most of the shooters aren't spending that much on a dot when they don't have right.
1: to. Right. Yeah. Oh, great.
2: Cool.
0: Now, was there anything that you were like, oh, I need to try that? Like, that is something that you felt other than the <laughs> taking a thermal dot to,
1: <laughs> to, the, to the head?
0: <laughs> was there anything so, else that, like, go ahead?
1: No, I was just going to say, is like, uh we had somewhat of a battle plan coming in, right? So, like, we're, you know, PCSL is new to our area. So, we're trying to get okay. more involved with that some rifle stuff. So there's one particular rifle I really wanted to try out because um, there's certain criteria that people were telling me I need to kind of go for, right? We one of my one of my uh, buddies kind of reached out to like all the top level rifle guys out there, you know, Josh Frelick and and um, Max Grandis and a couple of those other guys, Joe Farewell and stuff like that, and they were like, yeah, you know, a 16-inch gun would be great, and somewhere between like a mid-length or intermediate length or intermediate gas system, blah blah, eight twist. So like, you know, I had certain criteria I was kind of looking for 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 a rifle, and you know. In, in the past I've always just built guns, but I was like, you know what, I, I really don't wanna to have to like piecemeal this thing together because like if I were to do that, like this barrel's like three hundred something dollars. It's the only one that I could find, blah blah blah. So there was a company I found off of Palmetto Seat Armory, um, Lead Star Arms. Okay. And they, they sold they sell a competition rifle that kinda had almost everything I wanted out of the gun. It had a mid length GAC system, sixteen inch, um, it had a hyper fire duty trigger in there, um semi-skeletonized lightweight so i really wanted to get my hands on it so um that was one of the things i made sure i i stopped that to kind of get my hands on to feel it because you know it's it's one thing to like see the specs and be like yeah you know this is this is it but like it's different to get your hands on it right
2: absolutely
1: um, uh, and obviously i would have loved to shoot it before buying one but i was like you know what let me let me let me and risk a little bit on this thing. And I'm happy I did. Um, I, I zeroed it the other day and I shot a few rounds today. And, and the thing just is amazing. It doesn't move. It's, it's crazy. Um, just right out of the box. So So
0: did you buy it when you got back from SHOT Show? Like after you got to manhandle it? <laughs> Actually, we we're out to dinner and I was like, dude, I'm going to find this Didn't even
2: stuff. get that far. Didn't <laughs> even get
1: that far. I
2: was
1: like, send um, so got it right away. Um, so basically when I got home from shot show, it was kind of waiting for me. So, Goodness was, okay. <laughs> and Dave said, Dave sitting it the whole time. I was like, really? Did you just buy that? I was like, dude, this is exactly what I want. So, um, but yeah. I okay. Put the glass on there and some, Someone say I'm a little impulsive, but yeah. Some.
2: Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, some. Some. Oh, <laughs>
1: uh, some people. <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the guy who'll go to the grocery store for a couple things and and walk home with a gun. Like it's a brand okay. new rifle. Nothing wrong I, with that. I, I don't know how it happened. <laughs> Five stops later. <laughs> I'm gonna
2: get you a financial advisor. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And all the financial advice
2: is gonna be doing is gone.
0: And with as much as Fairfax is paying, I mean it really, really matters a while.
2: Do you really need this? Do you need this? Yeah. The food that we have at the house would be just fine.
1: Who needs to eat? Yeah.
2: So do you guys see
0: yourself going back next year then?
2: Oh yeah. I think it'd be uh, yeah. as long as uh I will say this, yeah, as long I mean as as far as the experience we had with Atlas, um in, in going there and representing Atlas, but at the same time being there with the guys, um, being there with the company. Um, there is I, I could confidently say there's probably not any other real companies I would ever really want to go to Shot Show with <laughs> other than yeah. other than Atlas. I mean they treat us really, really, really well. Um we're very fortunate. Um, you know, and I feel like we do a pretty good job as far as um representing ourselves and and our and our supporter, so like they, uh, so I feel like it was a uh, very mutually beneficial. Um, but yeah, it was it was awesome, and like you know, as long as you like, it, I can't remember who I was telling the other day. Um, if you go there and you're just there to walk around and just to see, like you know, just to go see the stuff, it was nice to be able to go out for a few hours, see what you want to see, and then come back. And when we come back to, like, to the booth and we switch out with the guys and, you know, we didn't even really have a schedule. It just naturally worked out really, really well. But when we'd come back, when we're at the booth, it was nice. Like, and it was almost like um, we were taking, like, a little bit of a break from the rest of the show to, like, you know, to talk about the guns we love. And so it was very, it's very fulfilling to be able to do that. Like when we're, you know, bouncing back and forth between seeing what we want to see, between like, and then, expo, you know, presenting the guns that we love and we love to talk about. And I mean, like we could talk about Atlas Gunworks, you know, material immersion all day long. Um, and so it's not like, it, it doesn't take much effort. And especially like when you're doing it to like-minded people, it's, it's, you know, it makes it easy and it does make it very enjoyable to, to do. So, yeah, I mean, yes, it is some long days and I don't think they have enough chairs there and there's not enough water around,
1: but well, they put benches there this
2: year. Like, yeah, I, I, poor Tom, poor Tom, <laughs> poor, couldn't, poor Tom Castro. Couldn't couldn't like, apparently the bench is almost broken. That was, that was his, uh, <laughs> I think that was his Achilles heel. Why do they put the benches where you need to go? It was funny <laughs> talking to him about that, but, um, Oh, wow. Yeah, but no, no, it was good. I, I would, uh, I like, I think I speak for both of us. We would, uh, we would very much enjoy going back next year and, and doing the same thing again.
1: I'll, I'll tell you what, though, if Shot Show was a two week event, I would only request to be there for half of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah. We that'd be too that much. Brutal, man. That that week. Yeah. Is brutal.
0: Well, it's fast paced. It's a lot of walking. It's a lot of standing. It, it like Dave was saying earlier, I mean, you're just constantly I I don't even know how we ran into each other. Kevin, I honestly don't.
1: I really don't know either. I think I I was racing back to the booth for Yeah, it was fate. (laughs) Yeah, fate. fate, (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Because there's no way you run into anybody there on purpose. There's too many people.
2: Nope. Yeah, for sure.
0: It's crazy.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm.
0: All right. So in closing, what do you guys have for future plans?
2: Uh, so this year we have a, we have a list of majors we're going to be going to. Um, I would say with me doing this now full time, um, for me, I have a number of classes that are not only just in Virginia, but, but nationwide that I'll be kind of going around traveling a little bit to, uh, to teach classes. I also am open to taking on other classes and stuff like, uh, you know, during the week and later in the year and whatnot, um, you know, schedule is relatively, while it's filling up, it's still open. Um, it'll be interesting to see how 2025 kind of uh, works its way in. I was talking to a couple guys and they said it takes a couple years, like especially when you go full time, for like mm. the business to really kick and to like really see that full booking for the following year. Like it's going to take at least this year of a lot of networking. Um, like I've already done quite a bit of networking, but like this is the year that you really like kind of solidify it even further. Um, so it, you know i'll be doing quite a bit of training this year i don't think i'll be doing quite as many local matches um the locals that i do do are going to be um on kind of in preparation for the majors I'm that sure, are coming up quick yes. i was thinking that too yeah. the, so they'll be in preparation we're all children, we're all children yes. when it comes down to it all I'm surprised your thing didn't put like the poop emoji up i know right? <laughs> that would be hilarious yeah. <laughs> um but yeah no it'll be interesting like it's going to be very, uh, as far as the major matches go, we have a relatively decent amount of major matches on the schedule. Um, not as many as other people I've seen, but we do have a relatively decent amount of travel to do. So with that being said, it's, you know, between that and family and, and, just kind of balancing things out. Um, it'll be a relatively even split between local matches and major matches for me and then also classes. But at the same time, I need to make sure that you're, uh, still giving enough time to the family so you need to make sure that it's yep. not it can't be I don't know how some of these guys do it where it's every single weekend that they're shooting matches either. you know what I mean it's like uh yeah, you know crazy. you got to make make sure you have some sort of balance in your life you know what I mean yep agree kevin so,
1: no, it's going to be very similar for me too. You know, like, uh, like like Dave mentioned early on, like we shoot pretty much every major together. <laughs> so our, our uh, major match schedule is identical for the most part. I think there's like one or two that, you know, we're flip flop. I'm doing one. He's not doing one, something, something along those lines, but um, just, just really trying to focus in hard for Ipsic nationals. I want to do a good show, you know, being on the super squad and all, like we, we kind of want to make sure that we represent ourselves well or, uh, we wanna make sure that we represent Atlas well and, and stuff like that. So just trying to gear up for open. I've been shooting a lot of limited, limited optics on the last few months, so, and during the off season. So um, get to pick up Old Faithful again and uh, get used to the weight of my uh, big open gun. And um, it'll be good. Just, uh, just trying to get some rounds down range and very similar to what, what Dave said, You know, just trying to balance uh, life and work and everything. Um, I think I told you at shot show, but I got promoted at at the fire department. So um, things there have kind of gotten a little bit more busy. Um, I'm driving yep. one of the fire apparatus now. I'm in charge of training and stuff in my firehouse. So, um, are you a master tech now or no? I'm, I'm just tech- so they got rid of the master. Okay. Tech. So uh, they did. Okay. So, Bouncing
2: pickleballs. Yeah. Pickle it's all
1: yeah pick- so tech- <laughs> So technician rank is all encompassing um, between okay. master tech and technician. It's the same essentially, but. Uh, but yeah, so it's uh, just doing a bunch of training, uh, working a bunch, you know, like every other uh, fire department or police department, uh, first responder, like we are short staffed. <laughs> so yeah. uh, picking up some overtime is like not even a struggle. It's like you kind of have to work overtime because there's nobody else to work kind of thing. So right. um, yeah, that's kind of the struggle that I'm, that I'm kind of stuck in right now. Uh, you know, every, every first responder is kind of in the same boat in that regard. So um but other than that you know just trying to to get some good practice in some meaningful practice when i can um and, you know like dave was mentioning we're going to be teaching a, a regular class i believe that's in march um we might be traveling to vermont to go teach a class and stuff like that so uh we've got a couple of things on our schedule that's going to keep us very busy this year but uh, all good things you know so so nope.
0: Is it the same place someone would go to sign up, whether it's a collaboration or just a David Wampler class or how, where do people
2: go to sign up for these classes? So once we do post the classes, we either usually have them on a practice board link. Um, we usually push them out to social media, which is going to be like Instagram, Facebook. And then from there okay. they can more or less, we get a lot of people um, sending us direct messages. Um, we don't, one of the vetting processes that we've used and we continuously do is um, when people like it, opposed to it being just open enrollment, people just going online to a website and signing up when we actually have someone contact us and actually hit us up on Instagram, and be like, Hey, I want to sign up for your class. It, believe it or not, we have a op- wonderful opportunity to kind of vet them right then and there. And so because these classes are, or like when we teach these classes, they're, they're not for greenhorns. They're for people that have, you know, that have established, you know, relatively decent, safe, you know, gun handling measures. We're not teaching like, you know, your typical, you know, concealed carry class yet that, you know, this, is the, just,
0: this, yeah, this is, is the trigger. This is a trigger. Girl. This is
2: the hammer. <laughs> this is where the bu- this is where the bullets go like type of deal. Right. Um, Because of that when people hit us up on social media or or send us texts or, you know, or send us like an email or something like that, inquiring about the class, we have a way to kind of vet them. And like, we have a direct line of communication opposed to literally just going in after the fact and seeing a bunch of people that like, literally you just go in like to a website, you see a bunch of people that signed up paid and then you just, you know, take roll call when they come to the class at that time, you know, which is, you know, that's, it's one way of doing it. Totally fine. But, for what we do, it's very nice to be able to vet the people, so yeah, we don't have a des- like literally through social media you'll be able to contact us through like direct messaging us we'll also have our emails um, I think sprinkled throughout there to be able to for them to you know send emails and then what we'll do is we'll make things simple and for my classes typically um unless it's like a private type of class, like sometimes I'll do a class for like a Facebook group or something along those lines. At that point, that's kind of like um, a little bit more closed door type of thing. Um, But uh, typically I put stuff up on practice score so that people can go sign up. And literally I got, you know, I have control over the drop down menu and approval and all that jazz. So like you're able to kind of, um, you know, regulate as far as uh, registration goes and all that stuff, pretty pretty decent. And uh, pe- most people that are relatively into the sport that we're doing, um, doing everything through practice for makes things, mm-hmm. you know, pretty familiar for a lot of people. So that'll be one way okay. for them to be in, t- in touch.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So I- I'll make sure I include you guys' uh, Instagram okay, then in the show notes so that if they want, if somebody listens to this and wants to reach out, they have a way to do it.
2: Absolutely.
1: absolutely. Yeah. All right. And if anybody well, wants said... to uh, host us, for sure, let us know. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. We'll come out and travel. You know, we'll okay. travel.
0: You said greenhorns. I'm like, what is this? An episode of Grizzly Adams? <laughs> like I'm back in a, I'm back in 1980. I like it. Go. All right. So I, the final question is. All right. So you guys have been to St. George, Frostproof, CMP, and Cardinal for nationals.
2: Cardinal.
1: Uh, I haven't been uh, to Ohio?
0: Ohio. Oh, so you guys no, haven't, I haven't been, been no, to Ohio. Haven't
2: been no. to. Ohio. No. All right, so,
0: so take that out. So Saint George frostproof CMP. Which one? Saint George. If they.
2: <laughs> Saint George. <laughs> okay. I don't
0: All know what right, question
2: babe. you're going to ask, but I know for a fact Saint that... George was beautiful, and Saint George was awesome weather, and they have what is it Waterburger? No. Uh, yeah, yeah. In and
1: out. In and out. In and out. Yeah,
2: in and out.
0: Yeah. Done. There you go. Done. Okay, I don't know what question you're going to ask, but that was going to—that's the answer. You, you, I was going to say if they if the USPSA called you up today, where would you tell them to hold nationals? You answered the question, Mm. and and you justified it. I like
2: it.
1: Yeah, I think the infrastructure around that area is just nice.
2: It's not cameo. Yeah, yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: but I will say no. I think I think the infrastructure around Saint George was awesome. I know they had to make range adjustments um, based on um developing subdivisions around the area. So they had to make slight yeah. uh slight corrections and stuff along those lines. Um which would make it in like kind of um hard to host more nationals. I don't know. The sun come over coming over the top of the berm would be a constant thing for a lot of people, um, especially if they had to bring nationals back to St. George. Um now it is nice. It's not terribly hard to get to. I mean flying into St. Saint- flying into vegas and then driving out to st george was about 2 hours mm-hmm. um so like flights I mean, we and everything slept
1: the whole
2: way. <laughs> oh it was it was awesome it was fantastic yeah. um yeah Wonger was our uh, was yeah, Eric, our, Eric
1: was our was our chaperone he yeah, drove yeah. us everywhere
0: your <laughs> <Their laughs> dedicated driver oh yeah, oh, yeah. <clears throat> so okay
2: but yeah, yeah no yeah i think well, there I've, are other ranges out there that are probably pretty good too so
0: well, I, I've heard they've made those adjustments and they're looking to try to get hold Nationals again. So your dream might awesome.
1: come true. That would be awesome. Heck yeah. I love that place. Yep. This is awesome. My, minus the Oh, the constant, gosh. Like, voodooons, like bullets flying everywhere. Like, that's, that's a little precarious. <laughs> However, comma, the area is beautiful.
2: I felt like we're in Saving Private Ryan. Like, I swear the entire time. I felt like freaking. And you guys want to go back there and shoot? Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. The
1: the shoot house there was awesome. Yeah. You remember the shoot house there? The shoot house is awesome. Like, yeah, they just have a lot of great things at that, at that range. Okay. All
0: right. Anything else you guys want to add before we uh, call this a night? I think we covered all the bases. (laughs) I think so. Yes, sir. All right. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much.
2: I appreciate you having us. All
1: right. Thanks Dave.
2: Until next time,
1: don't be a little bitch.
2: Yeah.